you for your life. It's his gift for others through you. You're gifted for their good. That's why you have the unique gifts that you do. Um, One commentator put it this way. He said, spiritual gifts are not fundamentally a privilege, but a responsibility. We are responsible to use the gifts that we have, the ways that we've been wired to serve and to love other people. And so each of us has a gift, and we are responsible for using it. And also, as a lot have said uh, previous to me and said better than I will say it, you have more than one gift, more than likely. You don't have less than one gift, but you probably have more than one gift. And so you're a multifaceted individual. You've got various ways that you can serve and that are life-giving for other people, and they actually use things that you're good at and that you're passionate about. Now, you're uniquely gifted to serve because you have a gift and it's from God for the good of other people. And then verse 11, we're told that whoever speaks is supposed to speak as with the oracles of God and whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies all so that God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. Here we have Peter taking all the spiritual gifts and putting them into two categories. He says you're gifted to speak or you're gifted to serve or you may be gifted to speak and serve. And so as we think about that, these two overarching categories, there's a reason that Peter uses big buckets to describe these gifts. And one of the reasons he uses big buckets is he wants us to be empowered because you can, you you already know, like, do I enjoy, like, is my use of words and language and conversation and speaking, is that where I see God using me in in a rich way in other people's lives? Or is it through acts of service that I see him using me? and, and like using my, my hands and my energy? What are the ways that I see him using me primarily? Not exclusively, but primarily. He uses these two big categories because that encourages us. That helps us to think, yeah, I am gifted. And I fall more in line usually over here or over there. But it's meant to empower us to serve so that God can be glorified through us using our gifts. And what's... what. Peter is hammering home here is the church needs people to speak with their gifts of speech and he needs them to serve with their gifts of service. The church needs both gifts. Speaking gifts are not more valuable than serving gifts. They're both gifts. The church needs them. The whole body needs the whole body, as we saw in 1 Corinthians 12. And so for us, by way of application this morning, when we think about these, this universal call to serve and the unique ways that we're wired to serve, just a couple of questions for us. Like, what's it going to look like for us to be committed, universally, each of us committed, to leverage ourselves so that people in this family feel earnestly loved and welcomed into our life? You cannot welcome everybody in this room into your life. Otherwise, they feel like they are welcomed into one moment with you, not into your life. So it's not a call for us to welcome every individual into our life but for all of us to be welcoming in such a way that everyone who is a part of our church family has a place at someone's table, has a connection, an earnestly loving connection with someone else. And that's going to cost us something. It's going to cost us time, energy, finances, all kinds of resources. But are we ready to leverage ourselves so that other people will be earnestly loved? And are we willing to die to ourselves so that people can know they actually have a place in my life and I want them there? What's it going to cost me to universally serve this church family. And then also more specifically, knowing what your own gifts are. And maybe you know already I I fall more in line with the speaking or the serving categories, or I feel like I have a bit of both or whatever it may be. Um, Discerning your spiritual gifts doesn't need to be intimidating. I don't want it to be intimidating. If it is intimidating, you're probably going about it the wrong way. 
What I want you to think about this morning is what are the ways that I felt energized to love people well? Either on the, on the, you know, the backside of it, I've realized, oh, that was actually really great for me as I got to use my energy and my resources for that person. Or just something that excites you. Like, what are you passionate about? Now, one thing I will say is serving people isn't always a passion-infused experience. Sometimes serving people is absolutely exhausting. And so don't just serve when you feel like it, but realize that, that you are gifted in certain ways that you're going to have a propensity to serve in those areas. And the responsibility of you is to figure out, all right, if I, if I have this desire, I have these, this passion, I need to find a conduit for it to serve this family because this family needs it. And that's the other aspect of, of sort of our application. We need to, whatever our gifts are, we need to realize that this whole church needs it. This church family needs these gifts. If you're not sure what it looks like to use your gifts, then you need to talk to the leadership of the church and we'll help you. And if we don't know how to help you, that means that we need to figure out how to help you. Doesn't mean we're going to create 8,000 new ministries that have you know, specific titles that go with spiritual gifts. But what you have, what you're gifted to do is important for us. And so we need to figure out what's it going to look like for you. Or we need to figure out how to get out of the way so you can use those gifts to love and to serve us as a family. All right, I'm going to shift gears. We're going to move a lot quicker through the idea of mission. But in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, you can turn there if you'd like. This is a familiar passage, the Great Commission. It says that Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. We talked about this text when we were talking about discipleship a few weeks ago. Last two weeks ago, we talked about discipleship. Today, we're talking about going, therefore. The idea of mission is to go, therefore. And so as we think about that this morning, or again, we're going to use this idea of universal and unique. This idea that go, therefore, is a universal call for us, but we are also uniquely placed and positioned to go. We want to talk about that. We want to talk about leveraging our lives for Jesus' mission. So this universal call to mission, this great commission from Jesus, when he tells all of his disciples to go, therefore, and make disciples, it's an ongoing call. Disciples make disciples. That's his plan for advancing his kingdom. And that means that the Great Commission is for every disciple. Every follower of Jesus is a disciple, and every disciple is charged with raising up new disciples, of reproducing disciples. And so that means that a disciple who's not seeking, as, as I just said, I got it from a different commentator. He says that you know, the disciples are to re- reproduce themselves. That's our primary call. A disciple not seeking to reproduce themselves is not living a disciple lifestyle. A disciple who doesn't want to see more disciples made is not a disciple who has actually had what Jesus has said and done resonated, has not had the gospel resonate with their heart. They may be saved, but they're not flourishing, and they're not passionate about what Jesus is passionate about. So in other words, reproducing disciples, making disciples, is not a track, it's the track for Jesus' people. This is our mission. This is what we've been given to do to advance the kingdom. The mission is to grow the church by conversions. That's really what it's about. Growing the church by conversions and helping converted people grow and seeing them help grow the church by conversions. It's actually, it's not super complicated. It's just uncomfortable and time-consuming. When we think about this, you know, the church is, uh, as, one, as one author put it, he said, the church is, the, is God's primary agency for mission, meaning that 
Like the church is supposed to be the place where those who are hearing about Jesus come and learn more about Jesus. And not just the worship service, but the people of the church. Like evangelism is not you going out by yourself. It's us going out as family. Which means relationships that you have with someone that you're sharing Jesus with should translate into relationships that they build with other people that you know that know Jesus. And that kind of networking. And we don't, we don't go out as isolated missionaries. We're a community of missionaries. And so we use this community, this family, so we can all together live on mission. And so we're universally called to mission, but we're also uniquely gifted for mission. One author put it this way. He said, to make disciples of all nations does require many people to leave their homelands, but Jesus' main focus remains on the task of all believers to duplicate themselves wherever they may be. Some people are going to have to leave their homes to go therefore. Most of us need to go therefore where God's already placed us because we're already missionaries here. And so the call for us is to live missionally right now. It's not necessarily about going someplace else, but going intentionally everywhere we go in Lee County, whether it's campus, downtown Opelika, Beauregard, wherever it may be. We go therefore intentionally. And here's some statistics I want to share with you. So this is based off of estimates from 2018. Uh, So there's about 163,000 people residing in Lee County, give or take, uh, in 2018 numbers. 42.2% of those folks have some type of religious affiliation, which means that in our county, 94,214 people don't even claim to have a religious affiliation. And I just want you to know, having a religious affiliation and having a relationship with Jesus are not necessarily the same thing. So at best... There are 94,000, what was the number? 94,214 lost people in our county. But that's actually probably a low estimate. And what I want you to understand is we we don't have to go anywhere to go there for. We can stay right here and go there for. Did you know the national average for those who would say that they have no religious affiliation? The national average is 49.42%. Lee County, Alabama is below the average. Now, Tallapoosa is way above it. But here in Lee County, we are way below the average. This is not about go there for and learn a new language and relocate your family. Some of you may be called to that. Every one of us is called to go there for. And this is the community that he's placed us in uniquely. This is our place to live on mission. And so for us this morning, I want us to think about these two aspects, like this universal call to mission What's, how am I going to commit myself to actively live a life that advances Jesus' kingdom? Like what are, last week we talked about some defeaters. What causes me to doubt that I'm actually capable or willing to be a disciple reproducer? And what is it? For me, I know it's selfishness. Like to seek to be someone who reaches the lost and makes disciples where there weren't disciples, that takes time, energy, patience, all of which I'm pretty selfish about. I know for some of you, it's less about selfishness, or at least not that blatant of a selfishness. Some of you are fearful. It's risky. You're going to lose some relationships. You're going to lose some friendships. You might lose some credibility. You might lose some business. You're fearful. And yet our primary call as disciples is not only for us to grow as disciples, but to grow the family of disciples has to be a part of our DNA. Maybe you think my sphere is too small. There's no such thing as a too small sphere. 
unless that sphere has no lost people in it, then yes, it's absolutely too small. If your sphere does not include people who do not yet know Jesus, then your sphere is too small. But if your sphere is small and it includes people who don't yet know Jesus, that's actually a really strategically shaped sphere because you have time and energy to devote to those people and to pursue them. And so for you and for me, we're all supposed to, and I hope you understand this, like we're all called to be missional and we think that 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 sounds outside the norm. Actually, every human being is living on a mission. It's just, what mission? Is it the mission for self-advancement? People don't bat an eye at someone who leverages every relationship and every opportunity to advance their own personal wealth. They may judge them a little bit, but some of that's out of jealousy. We don't really judge people who leverage everything for the good of their children, because we're on mission for our children. But when we're on mission, Jesus' mission, we're saying I'm going to leverage everything, not for myself, not even for my own kids, but for Jesus' family, for the advancement of his family. Living on mission is not our issue. It's the, it's the mission that we're called to live on that we struggle with. And the last thing I want us to consider this morning is assessing, like, what are the opportunities that I uniquely have to engage in mission? What, what, should, what should, for me uniquely, what should it mean for me to go there for intentionally? And so I want you to think about this. Where do you already go that you need to keep going but go more intentionally? What are things you already do but you need to be more intentional in those places because God strategically placed you there. It could be your vocation. It could be your neighborhood. It could be uh, a sewing circle if those still exist. I don't know if they do. It could be any number of things. It could be a fraternity or a sorority. It could be a, a civic group. It could be any number of things. You're already going there. You don't need to go someplace else. You need to go there intentionally. And when we think about for us, this idea of disciple-making, wanting to see Jesus' family grow, it can sound real general. And really what I want us to do is to go where we're already going more intentionally, and I want us to go already thinking of faces that are there. Real people. Real people that we desire to see come into this family, meaning Jesus' family, and maybe also this local church. But honestly, it's a huge win, no matter if they show up at First Pres or not, if they come into the family and connect with the local church. So whether they ever darken the doors of our church, local church, is not the point. Will they be brought into the family of disciples? So, last, last point, not, not a point, last takeaway for you. I want us, we did this last week because we're talking about rhythms. I want us to do it this week. Like I just want to think of one thing in each of these categories that we're going to do differently in the fall. Last week, we talked about what's one thing I'm going to do so I, I deepen my devotion to Jesus and I deepen my devotion to his family. Today, what's one thing this fall I'm going to do so that this family is served using my gifts, my time, my energy? What's one thing I'm going to do? It could be FBO Kids. It could be teaching in fellowship group. It could be being an usher. It could be any number of things. It could be just spending more time in the sanctuary for five minutes afterwards to make sure someone knows that you see them and that you love them. And what's it going to look like? One thing I'm going to do this fall, these are four rhythms, fourth rhythm, what's one thing I'm going to do this fall that intentionally has me going there for? What kind of neighbor am I going to be this fall? Who am I going to have into my home to watch away games? Who am I going to tailgate with 
this fall? What am I going to do? One thing that I'm going to do this fall because I want to see the family of disciples grow. One thing. I can't tell you what it is, but I know that Jesus calls us into that. Because he loves us and he wants us to flourish and he knows that we are going to have lives of awe and joy. Last week we talked about awe coming over our soul. Here we can think about Jesus who for the joy set before him served and lived on mission for us. There is awe and joy that comes from living these types of rhythms. It is not, it is going to feel like sacrifice until you're in it. And as I've heard so many saints say time and time again, there's so much joy when they leverage themselves for Jesus' mission and for Jesus' family. Father, thanks so much for this time we've had to spend together this morning. I thank you for an opportunity to chew on these things and wrestle with them together. We thank you that you're the one who, who has not only made us a family and called us to live as family, but has also gifted us so that we can serve each other and love each other well as family. What a blessing. And Lord, we thank you that you have chosen to put us in a county in Alabama where there are so many lost people that it will, it will make us feel overwhelmed if we don't know that you're the one who has all authority and is working your purposes. So we pray that you'll help us to look and see that the harvest is plentiful here. You'll help us, as Quint was talking about, to want to be fishers of men. We thank you that that's not only our calling, but it's also a place you've positioned us. Give us eyes to see exactly where we can use our time, energy, resources, and hearts to reach people. Motivate us with joy and with awe. We ask this, Jesus, in your name. Amen.